And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry man. Sam Slade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Fellas, did we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, we'll conclude The Adventures of Maisie, starring Anne Southern from 1950. Then, Bill Johnstone stars as Lamont Cranston, alias The Shadow, from 1941. By my side is my co-host... Margot Lane. I mean, Lisa Wolf. What's up, I know. Uh, Lisa Margot Lane Wolf? It's confusing. Or are right? you uh, are you Maisie Revere? I know. I, Wait, what? I don't, I don't know. know. Well, it's Halloween. You could be any one of those people oh, this almost. month. Yeah. Almost. Well, we began listening to the adventures of Maisie Revere on our last show, and you know she's beautiful. She's sassy. She's street smart. It. She just reminds I me. I just of wonder you. if I dressed up like her, if anybody would notice who I was. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it would yeah. be a tough call. I would know. Because you're a woman of the world. Right. You're Maisie Revere. Good. You're I'm Lisa Wolf. Go with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, last time we began listening to a broadcast from October 19, 1950, called Mrs. Hargrave's Banquet. Here's the conclusion now to the adventures of Maisie. Well, Maisie, how do you think my speech sounds? Terrific. And it only took you two hours to memorize the first paragraph. Well, those are big words. <laughs> Gosh, you think Melissa and them hoity-toity guests will suspect I got this here speech from out of a book from out of her? Oh, not a chance, Mr. Gibbs. No, no. Now take your speech again, Mr. Gibbs, from the beginning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now here I go. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. From the Straits of Singapore to the snow-capped mountains of Alaska, from the desert sands of Arabia to the green glens of Scotland, from the... Oh, hold it, chum, hold it. Come in. Oh, hello. Uh, good afternoon, Miss... Uh, Mr. Edwards sent me to... Uh, look, we're busy right now, Buster. Yeah, and we got a few rough spots to iron out in Mr. Gibbs' speech for tonight. But, Miss, I... I b- b- well, now, look, listen, listen to this speech and see what you think. Go ahead, Mr. Gibbs. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, from the Straits of Singapore to the snow-capped mountains of Alaska, from the desert sands of Arabia uh, to the... To the... To the green glens of Scotland. Thanks. To the green glens of Scotland. Hey, how'd you guess? You've been getting a preview at the keyhole? Hardly, miss, but that is exactly the speech Mr. Edwards intends to give at the banquet tonight. Mr. Edwards? But he's going fishing. That's where we got stuck with it. I mean, um... Prevailed on Mr. Gibbs here to make the speech. Yeah, everybody in this here town thinks I ain't got no brains and... Tonight I'm going to show him. The reason I'm here, miss, is to inform you that Mr. Edwards has changed his plans. He telephoned Mrs. Hargreaves just an hour ago and agreed to make the speech tonight. He's going to be the first speaker. The first speaker? He's going to give my speech before I do? Maisie, if he does, I ain't going to give no $50,000. Uh-oh. 
Maisie, what are we going to do? I don't know, Jerry. But it looks like those people are going to get awful sick of those snow-capped mountains of Alaska. But, Mr. Edwards, Jerry and me are here only because we realize you shouldn't stay around just for a measly little banquet. Measly, Miss Revere? This is for charity, and charity begins at home. But we'll get along, Mr. Edwards. Ben Gibbs can make the speech. In my place? Ridiculous. Yeah. Ain't it? I don't want to appear egotistical, Miss Revere, but if Ben Gibbs gives a speech, it just won't be the same thing. Wanna bet? I don't mind a little competition. We'll both make speeches. I'll speak first, and after I get through, I'll give the floor to Gibbs. You won't have to give it to him. It'll probably come right up and hit him. <laughs> well, I dare say you're right. <laughs> if Gibbs desires to make a fool of himself with the speech after I'm finished with mine, let him. No, but Mr. Edwards, a speech by Mr. Gibbs means money in the bank for the orphanage. Yeah, my speech will mean money in the bank, too. The attractive Mrs. Hargraves is bound to be impressed by my stirring address. Attractive? Uh, Mrs. Hargraves attractive? <laughs> Uh, uh, Do you hear that, Jerry? Yeah. <laughs> oh, why, I've seen better looking heads than hers at a glass of stale beer. Oh, you women, all alike, always jealous. Oh, but Mr. Edwards, Mr. Gibbs is all ready to oh, make that... Oh, skip it, Jerry. Mr. Edwards has gone for Mrs. Moneybags, hook, line, and speaker. <laughs> So that's how it is, Mr. Gibbs. We tried our best, but Mr. Edwards insists on making that speech. Well, I guess that washes me up. But, Ben, can't you forget yourself and try to realize that this is for orphans? A and maybe with Mr. Edwards making the speech, they could take in maybe another 50000 So what? If it's just a case of money, I'll be willing to double my donation. Give 100000 Only on the condition that I make that opening speech. Well... You just made yourself a deal, Mr. Gibbs. Jerry and the kids are going to be waiting on tables tonight. I got a plan. Of course, it might make Mr. Edwards see red. I'll raise my donation to 150000 Put on your rose-colored glasses, Mr. Edwards. You're seeing red tonight. How are me and the fellas doing, Miss Revere? Everything worked out like you planned? Yeah, Jerry. Now hold the next course here in the kitchen for a little while longer than the others. <laughs> oh, gosh, Miss Revere, I'll never forget the look on Mr. Edwards when I tripped serving him the shrimp cocktail. <laughs> was he embarrassed? Yeah, I noticed his face turned red. Oh, that was from the cocktail sauce. <laughs> oh, well, you're doing swell, fellas. Now all we got to do is irritate Mr. Edwards a little more, mm -hmm. and he'll leave immediately for that fishing trip without giving his speech. Yeah, then Mr. Gibbs will take over, and the orphanage will be richer by 150,000 bucks. Wow. <laughs> Gosh, I can't wait till we get to serve the iced tea. Gee, I, I hope I don't make a mistake and drop it down Mrs. Hargrave's front instead of Mr. Edwards' back like I did the wine. Maisie, Maisie, something awful has happened. Oh, gosh, Mr. Gibbs, don't tell me you forgot your speech. Oh, no. Um, ladies and gentlemen, from the Straits of Singapore to the... Not yet, Ben, not yet. What happened? The after-dinner speeches. Well, what about them? They're not going to be after dinner. Edward says he's going to speak right now, so Mrs. Hargraves is starting right now. Uh-oh. Well, fellas, I guess we got to use the last trick in the book. You remember it, fellas? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, Miss Revere. Mr. Gibbs and I have to get back to the banquet. You boys know what to do. Now, come on, Ben. You ready? Oh, sure. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Straits oh, of Singapore... not to... yet, Ben. Not yet. Well, 
you returned just in time, Miss Revere. And you too. Don't you remember me, Melissa? I bought you Louis the 13th chair. It was Louis XIV. Oh, all right. So he was one Louis away. Now, if everybody will be seated and come to attention... Uh, ladies and gentlemen... Maisie, she stole my speech. Oh, quiet, then. All speeches start that way. Although our first speaker, Senator Hungerford, E. Clifton Hungerford, was unavoidably detained, we have been, shall we say, most fortunate in securing a wonderful, brilliant, charming personage, personally, to take his place. Three cheers for Mr. Gibbs! Ladies and gentlemen, from the straight... I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon. Mr. Gibbs is our second speaker, unfortunately. I was referring to that charming, brilliant personality, Elias J. Edwards. (laughs) That's enough, that's enough, that's enough. The applause is very flattering, but Mr. Edwards has to leave pretty soon, so please stop applauding. You too, Mr. Edwards. Uh, sorry. Quiet, everybody, quiet, quiet. Mr. Edwards is going to speak. <coughs> oh, oh, well, you yeah. don't speak very distinctly, Mr. Edwards. Yeah, I was just clearing my throat. Oh, do you have a cold? No. Ladies and Because if you do have a cold, my grandmother has a wonderful remedy. I'm so glad. Uh, ladies and she gentlemen... She always said salt air was good for a cold. Ladies and gentlemen... Of course, if you can't get salt air, you can wear the herring in front of your nose. Miss Revere, please. You know, uh, ladies and gentlemen... From the soup. Anybody want more soup? Jenny, Jenny, we finished our soup course. But there's lots more left in the pot. I know, I just fell in there. Boys, boys, Mr. Edwards is about to speak. Thank you, Melissa. Carry on, Elias. (laughs) Maisie, she never calls me Elias. Well, maybe that's because your name is Ben. Oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Ladies and gentlemen. Well, I guess nobody Uh, wants soup. Edwards, we're not supposed to clear the plates. We're guests. Except me. If you'll all excuse me, I'm going fishing. I have to catch a train. What do you use for bait, Mr. Edwards? Well, oh, such lack of reading. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but Mr. Edwards did warn us that he had a previous appointment with a pickerel. <laughs> but we're not really left in a pickerel. With us this evening. That charming, brilliant personality, Ben Gibbs. Yes, I'm afraid so. Ben, get up. Why? Your speech. Remember? This is your big chance to impress Mrs. Hargraves. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. I beg your pardon. This is the militia Hargrave banquet for uh, something or other. Why, is that a hunger for? Hungerford. Oh, goody, Senator. You're just in time. We're just starting the speeches. You can be first. Well, how about me? I was just getting started. Well, that's all right, Mr. Gibbs. You have to wait for the Senator to finish, and then you'll kill him with your speech. Senator Hungerford, are you ready to speak? Naturally. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, from the streets of Singapore... To the slow 
Black Muffins of Alaska. Major, that's my speech. That was your speech. Oh, as it sounds of Arabia, through the green glens of Scotland, from the... Well, the senator made his speech, then gave us a couple of hours of the great future plans of his political party and flew away again. Then came the surprise of the evening. Unannounced, Ben Gibbs got up and made a speech. Not the one he memorized, but he just talked. Ben knew what it was like to be an orphan. He was one himself. He knew how empty a kid's life could be without a dad to read him the comics on Sunday. No mother to dry his tears. At the end of his speech, Ben Gibbs said something I'll never forget. He said... I'm a millionaire many times over. I've got more than anyone here, and I've got less than anyone here. I have no mother and father. Well, i got to be on my way back home now. And, Fee, don't you start complaining again. Something's got more trouble than you. You have just heard The Adventures of Maisie, starring Anne Southern. Maisie was written by Arthur Phillips. Original music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman. Supporting cast included Elvia Allman, Sidney Miller, Frank Nelson, Frederick Warlock, Hans Conried, and Peter Leeds. Jack McCoy speaking. And that's The Adventures of Maisie, October 19, 1950, starring Anne Southern. Also in that cast, Elvia Allman, Frank Nelson, Hans Conried, Peter Leeds, and Sidney Miller with Jack McCoy announcing, oh, I love Adventures of Maisie. What a funny, funny series. In just a few minutes, we'll tune in to The Shadows. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. Across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. Don't forget to join the Classic Radio Club. Classic Radio Club is set up just for you. We want all of our listeners to join. And when you do, you will get your first 5-CD 10 Classic Radio Show collection for only $4.99. Yes, 5 CDs, 10 shows, 5 hours of material, and a collector case mailed to your home. $4.99 plus shipping and handling. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. Become a member. Lisa did. 
She's a member. She just got her second collection. I right? did. I love it. You get 10 different classic radio shows every month on five CDs sent to you. It's a club we just started, and we want everyone to join. ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, time now for the shadow. Let's go back to January 5th, 1941, for the Leopard Strikes. This stars Bill Johnstone, part one now of The Shadow. Adventures of the Shadow are on the air. Brought to you each week by the Blue Coal Dealers of America. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. As the Shadow, Cranston is gifted with hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's story, The Leopard Strikes. Oh, hello, officer. Officer Kelly. Well, how are you, Mac? Fine. Had any excitement tonight? <laughs> no, my young lad. What would be excitement on a beat like this around the animal house? <laughs> Nothing's happened here in the park for 20 years. Well, you can always hope. Oh, yes, that you can. What time have you got, Officer Kelly? Well, it's almost midnight. Well, if anything's to happen, this is the time. Midnight. Say, do those animals always howl like that? Never a let up all night long. They just don't like being caged up in a zoo, I guess. You'll get used to them after a while. I suppose so. You know, for my first assignment, I sort of hoped I'd get a more exciting place than this. Well, the park is the home of the rookies and the has-beens, son. Bar and promotion, just start here, move away, and end here. Well, I hope I move away soon. Maybe you've noticed I sort of like action. Well, if it's action you want, go in and wrestle with one of them wild beasts. (laughs) (laughs) They're the only culprit you'll ever find here, Mac. (laughs) I guess you're right. Well, I suppose I'd better take one more turn around the beat. Yes, yes, see that the squirrels and the spooners are behaving themselves. Well, see you later, son. Okay, see you later. Excitement. Ah, oh, the rookies want excitement. It's those green kids that are pushing us old ones off the force. Well, maybe some of them will get more than they bargained for. Uh... Ah! Hey, what's that? Hey, Mac! Mac, what's the matter? Mac! Mac, what in the name of... Glory be. Mac, bye. What happened, son? Mac! Mac, your face! Ripped and cut. Mac, speak, son, speak. Hey, read all about it. Policeman killed by wild animal in park. Read all about it, Hale. Hey, 
inquire at the head keeper's office at the zoo this afternoon, Margot. Commissioner Weston asked me to drop by. Well, Lamont, why are they holding an inquiry? They know how he was killed. I'm not so sure that they do. What do you mean? Well, when I spoke to the commissioner this morning, he told me that there was no evidence of any animal having escaped from the zoo last night. Uh, excuse me, but uh, could I subject my opinion? <laughs> of course, Shrevey. This is your cab. What is your opinion, Shrevey? Well, uh, it is not exactly my opinion, hey. It is more the opinion of my friend and acquaintance, Big Charlie. Oh, well, what is Big Charlie's opinion? Well, he is making the observation, uh, which is the same thing as an opinion... That this here now cop is not being killed by one of the animals from the zoo at all. No. No. He thinks it was done by a squirrel. A squirrel? <laughs> exactly, exactly. He says that them bushy-tailed beasts can be very mean when they're of a mind to be. Oh, now, Shrevey, how could a squirrel kill a man? That's just what I asked Big Charlie. And what did Big Charlie say? Well, he just shows me a scar on his finger that was given to him by a squirrel. And he says that if a squirrel could do that to him, he could certainly kill anybody else. Oh, Shrevey. <laughs> That's an excellent deduction. In fact, I'd like to hear more, Shrevey. But I think we've reached the zoo. Reached the zoo, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, so we have, so we have. All right. Come on, Mark. All right. Hey, do you want I should wait, hey? Well, uh, yes, you might as well, Shrevey. Good. I'm going out and give a couple of squirrels to third degree. (laughs) (laughs) What a man. Oh, Lamont, are they holding this inquiry in one of the cages? Well, if they are, they'll probably lock you up and throw away the key. (laughs) We go right in here. Oh, hello, Cranston. Come on in. Well, thank you, Commissioner. That's the first portion of The Shadow. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to the shadow. How are you, Margot? Fine, thank you, Commissioner. These are the two keepers that were on duty here at the zoo last night, Mr. Oliver and Mr. Harper. How do you do? Well, have you come up with anything yet, Commissioner? Not a thing. The officer was killed by a wild animal, all right. But both these men here swear that none of them was loose last night. Yes. Yes, that's right. They were all locked in. Any clues at all? Well, Harper here thinks that the job was done by some member of the cat family. Isn't that right? Oh, yes, yes. After looking at the body, my guess would be that he was killed by a member of the cat family. I see. Well, uh, why do you say that? Well, we get to know all the habits of the animals around here. We watch them eat and sleep. We practically live with them. My opinion is that uh, it was a leopard. Wait a minute. I don't agree. Now, John, you know... Why don't you agree with him, Mr. Oliver? Because that would put the blame on Rebu. She's the only leopard we've got here. Why, she wouldn't hurt nobody. She was in her cage all night, and you know that, Harper. Now, wait a minute, John. I wasn't blaming Rebu. Of course I know she was in a cage. But there's more than one leopard in the world, you know. Yeah, I know, and I also know you don't like Rebu. You're jealous because she only lets me feed her. She'll only obey me. Hold on, hold on, both of you. You can settle that later. I've got a tougher problem on my hands. There's a wild beast at large in this park, and we've got to find it. Uh, just how do you propose to do that, Commissioner? Well, now, don't you worry. We'll we'll find them, that's all. We'll set traps for them. Yeah, set traps. That's what we'll do. Hmm, that should be very effective, very. 
You'll probably catch everything in town but the leopard. But in this weather, you might catch a cold in that trap. Yes. You're both a big help. If you don't mind, I'll conduct this thing my own way. But, Commissioner, you asked me to come here. Yes, I thought that your knowledge of wild animals that you picked up in Africa or wherever it was uh, might be of use to me. Well, I still offer that knowledge. No, I don't need it. Hmm. Very well. I guess we better be going, Margot. Yeah. All right, Lamont. Good day, gentlemen. Goodbye. Catch a cold. Well, Margot, it... Might be wise if I took an active interest in this affair. What do you mean, Lamont? That argument between the two keepers interested me very much. I'd like to learn more about them. Well, what are you going to do? Well, this evening, late this evening, those two gentlemen are going to receive a visit from the shadow. Now, now, Rebu. Quiet, people, girl. Don't you behave like the others. Now, look, Oliver. There are other animals in this house, you know. They need attention, too. Uh, Rebu hasn't finished your dinner yet. Well, can't she eat it without your help? Leave me alone, Harper. I'll tend to the others when I'm done with Rebu. <laughs> I wonder if she knows that she's under suspicion of committing murder. Now, listen, Harper, don't start that again. Well, you heard what the police commissioner said. Well, who put the idea in his head that a leopard done the killing? You did. Well, he asked my opinion, didn't he? Yes, and you tried to frame poor Rebu. That's what you've done. <laughs> what was that? Which of you gentlemen is on the right side of this quarrel, may I ask? Who was that? Who spoke to us? I did, gentlemen. Who are you? Men call me the Shadow. But where are you? I can't see you. I'm standing right here beside you. Where? Where? Don't try to find me. By my hypnotic power, I've made myself invisible to your eyes. What are you doing here? What do you want of us? I'd like to learn just what you both know about the officer who was killed last night here in the park. We don't know anything about it, except that he was killed by a wild animal. Was that animal from the zoo? I don't know. Do you know what kind of an animal it was? Why, why it was a leopard, I guess. No, no, he's wrong. It wasn't a leopard. How do you know? Uh, I don't know, except I know it wasn't Rebu here. And that's who Harper's trying to put the blame on. Why should Mr. Harper do that? Because he's scared of her, that's why. She hates him, and he knows it. That's why he wants to get rid of her. Oh, he doesn't know what he's saying. I'm not blaming this cat here, and I'm not afraid of her either. Then why don't you go into her cage the way I do? Just a minute. You're avoiding my questions, both of you. You're hiding something from me. Something that you know and refuse to tell. Isn't this true? Isn't it? No, no. Of course it is. I don't believe either one of you. So let me warn you. I'm going to be watching you both. And if the leopard strikes again, you'll answer to the shadow. Read all about it! Mysterious leopard kills two more people in park. No clues found. Get your later. Lamont, we've been walking through this park for three nights. Straight, and all we've accomplished is to fill our shoes with snow. Oh, I'm sorry, Margo. Now, Hawkshaw, you know you're not a bit sorry. <laughs> well, I I just didn't want to miss being around if that darn leopard should strike again. Well, you think that we might be the victim? Could be. What? Oh, don't be alarmed. I have a gun here with me. Besides, I'm afraid this weather is a little too cold for a tropical beast. Yes, but maybe we... <laughs> what was that? Come on, Margo. Stop! Stop! Through these bushes here, Margo. All right. Oh, Paul, the kids in heaven. Now, what happened? What's going on here? Look. 
Look, the leopard. The leopard has struck again. Oh, Lamont, look at that body. Margot, stand over there, please. Ah, uh, he's beyond help. He's dead. Yes. Who is the victim, do you know? A park derelict from his appearance. Did you see the leopard? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. Where were you when the screams were heard? Uh, where was I when I... I was walking my beat about 50 yards away. When I heard the scream, I come running. And what happened then? I came near this clearing, I saw a large spotted animal standing over the body. Tearing at it with its claws. Well, I... I was so surprised, I... I cried out. And the animal heard you? Yes. He turned quickly and snarled and leaped into the bushes. I see. And that's when you fired at him? Yes. I... I was quite a distance away, but I think that one of my shots must have winged him. Uh, I'll have another look at this body. Uh, he did a job on him, didn't he? Hmm. The leopard, all right. That's their method of killing. Yes, the same dirty beast that got my pal, Mac. There's something wrong here. Something missing. Can't quite place what it is. I'm going now to send out an alarm. All right. I'll be right back. Oh, Lamont, what do you make of it? I don't know, Margot. When I was hunting one time in Africa, one of our native boys was killed by a leopard. The body, when we found it, looked exactly as this one does. And there is a wild leopard at large. I'm not sure. Well, this killing tonight has brought back that whole episode in Africa. There's, there's something missing here. Oh. Well, Lamont, all I can say is it's a good thing I'm not an old-fashioned girl. <laughs> what do you mean? After this little episode, I certainly need some smelling salt. Some smell? Margot. That's it. What? That's it. What, Lamont? That's what's been missing. The smell. The unmistakable smell of the leopard. Where are you dragging me now, Lamont? To the zoo, Margot. The commissioner should be there by now. Are you going to tell him about your discovery? You mean the fact that there was no smell of leopard at the scene of the crime? Yes. <laughs> I should say not. Can't you imagine what his reaction would be to that? Yes, I suppose it'd be a big joke to him. Yes, certainly. Oh, the squad cars are arriving now. That's the zoo just ahead. Hey, Lamont, you're not forgetting that Commissioner Weston is still angry at both of us. Oh, he gets over those things very quickly, Margot. <laughs> Wait a minute, sir. Oh, where are you going? Oh, uh, we are friends of the commissioner, officer. Oh, okay. You're looking for him. He's in the big animal house. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Come on, Margot. Right. Hey, Lamont... Just how important is the fact that there wasn't any smell of leopard near the body? It can be most important, Margot. Well, how do you mean? Well, I, I can't tell you that yet. In here, Margot. Well, I, I don't know. Oh, look, they're all over there by that cave. Uh, good evening, Commissioner. Oh, it's you, Cranston. What are you doing here? Well, Margot and I happened to be in the park when the last victim was killed. Oh, yes, I remember them, Commissioner. They stood by the body while I phoned in the alarm, sir. Well, my amateur friend, you're a little too late this time. What do you mean? The crime has been solved. Really? Well, who is the murderer? There he is, right in that cage. A leopard that belongs in the zoo. No, no, you're wrong. Quiet, Oliver. Lamont, that animal is dead. Yes, killed by one of the bullets from Officer Kelly's gun. You mean one of the shots you fired in the park, officer? Yes, sir. I got one of them all right. And he crawled back to his cage and died, is that it? That's it. It's not true. Rebo didn't do Oliver, it. Oliver, your friendly leopard did do it, and that's that. Uh, were you on duty here in the zoo when the animal got out, Oliver? No, no, I always eat my late dinner at this time, but I, I wasn't gone long, and she couldn't have got out of this house. She got out all right. Uh, may I examine the beast, Commissioner? My compliments, Cranston. Thank Shall you. I make out your report? I'm calling this case officially closed. Yes, sir. Calling the squad that's combing the park. We're finished here. Yes, sir. I wouldn't be too uh, sure of that, Commissioner. Huh? What's that? I say I wouldn't call this case officially closed yet. Why not? Just uh, come here a minute, will you please? Yes, what is it? What is it? 
Officer Kelly killed this uh, leopard, right? Yes, Kelly killed him. Would you say that Officer Kelly was a knife thrower by any chance? Knife thrower? Yes. Of course he's not a knife thrower. Oh, that's strange, because this animal died from a stab wound in the heart. Well, Lamont, you certainly spoiled the commissioner's case. Yes, I'm afraid I did. What to do now? Hmm? I say, what's the next angle on this thing? Oh, well, we'll have to wait until the police clear out of the zoo. Then what? Then the two gentlemen in charge of the animals are going to receive another visit from the shadow. They tried to put the blame on you, didn't they, girl? Mm. Tried to say you killed all those people. Mr. Oliver. Uh, uh, Mr. Oliver. Oh, it, it's the shadow again. That's right. What do you want? Why are you here? Don't you remember my telling you that if another murder occurred, I would return? Yes, yes, I do. Where is your friend Harper? I don't know. Isn't he supposed to be on duty tonight? Yes, yes, he is. Then why isn't he here? I don't know, I tell you. I haven't seen him since early in the evening. Before, before Evo was killed. You don't like Mr. Harper, do you? Why do you say that? It's true, isn't it? What difference does that make? Do you know who killed that animal? Do you? Why do you keep asking me all these questions? Because I want to find out all I can about Harper. He killed your leopard. I know he did. And you know it, too. Yeah. But you're afraid to say so because he has some hold on you. Something that he knows will keep you from talking. Oh, yeah? Sure, you're afraid of him, Oliver. Afraid? That's not true. I'm not afraid of him. Even though he has got something on me, that doesn't stop me from talking. Especially since he killed Rebo, eh? Okay. Okay, I'll tell about him. I'll tell plenty. Good. Where is he now? Well, I'm not sure. He's probably downtown, down where he always goes, to the big house on Columbus Square. What's down there in that house? That's where they meet. All of them meet. Who meet? The whole cult. Cult? You mean that... I mean that Harper is the leader of a crazy... Harper! Oliver! Didn't didn't get a a chance to... Yes, yes? To tell you the cult is... Is dead. You want I should cruise around the square again, Mr. Cranston, hey? Uh, uh, yes, Shrevy. Once more, if you please. You think we ought to get out and ring doorbells, Lamont? No, we'll never learn anything doing that. Hey, you know, going around and around the square like this is fun. It's sort of like a merry-go-round. Hey, do you indulge much in merry-go-rounds, Mr. Cranston, hey? I haven't lately, Shrevey. It's a nice, clean sport. You know, I remember one time I'm riding on a big one. It's down on the island and... Lamont! Uh, what is it? Shrevey, stop the cabin. Oh, sure, sure. Lamont, that house on the corner... Two men and a girl just went up the stairs, and she seemed to be ill. They were holding her up between them. Yes, and what happened to them? Well, I may still be upset from that killing in the park, but I could have sworn that when the door opened, they were greeted by what appeared to be a big leopard reared up on his hind legs. What? I'm quite sure, Lamont. Then that's the place we're looking for. The headquarters of the cult that Oliver spoke of just before he died. What kind of a cult? A cult of leopard women and men. I've heard much... About these things, but I never never thought they were in this country. Oh, but that's incredible. Margot, go get the police. Have them outside the house as soon as possible. Well, what about the girl? The girl they were bringing in that house. He's probably their next victim. Go, Margot. Go at once. As we are all gathered, the 
ceremony will begin. To you, O leopard, most lovely of beasts, we bow down in humble reverence. Your beauty of form we greatly admire. Your courage and cunning is our courage and cunning. As you are, so we will try to be. As you so majestically stalk through the jungle, so we too will stalk through the streets of the city. Our deeds are deeds that are done for you. Priestess! Hi, priestess. Yes, the worshipper? The offering. The sacrifice is ready. There is time yet. There is time. No. No, we must do it now. Oh, you are too eager. We are not really going to kill this beautiful girl. Why do we not kill her? Why? Because we are not murderers. We worship beauty, not death. Death is the beauty supreme. You do not know what you are saying. The cult of the leopard is death. It has always been death. Worshipper, you are behaving most strangely tonight. Why did we bring the victim here if not to kill? Enough of that talk. There is no need. Your arm. What is wrong with your arm? Oh... That is just... How did you hurt it? Answer me. How did you hurt your arm? <laughs> I'll tell you how he hurt it. Who speaks? It is I, the shadow. Shadow? Quiet. Quiet. Where are you? I cannot see you. I am standing right beside you here in the shadows. Your friend Mr. Harper can explain how I make myself invisible. You know this. This voice? Did you bring him here? No. No. No, he didn't bring me here, madam. I came here seeking him. What do you mean? I said that I'd reveal how you hurt your arm, Mr. Harper. How did he do it? He was shot. Shot by a policeman who discovered him in the act of committing murder. That's not true. What are you saying? This man, this member of your cult, disguised as a leopard, has already claimed two victims. No. Killing them as a leopard kills by slashing their throats with razor-sharp claws. Is this true, Harper? No, of course not. He's lying. I suppose that you deny, too, that you shot and killed your fellow keeper in the zoo, just as he was about to tell me all about you. Of course I deny it. Then how do you account for that wound in your arm? Yes. Yes, Harper. Explain that. Why should I have to explain? What are you trying to do to me? I already know what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to turn you over to the police. Oh, no. No, you're not. Let him, Harper. Then you can prove you're innocent. You keep out of this. He's afraid. Afraid that he'll be found out. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. Harper. Harper, what is wrong with you? You think that any of you can trap me? That you can match my cunning or courage? The cunning and courage of a leopard? Harper, do not talk that way. What if I did kill? It's a leopard's right to kill. Wantonly. Joyously, just for the love of killing. Be quiet, Harper. You can't silence me, and you can't trap me either. I'll fight. I'll claw. I'll kill. You hear me? Kill. Kill. Look out for him. Stand back, Harper. Oh, oh! You have killed him. 
That's right, madam. And now you and your cult are going to have to explain your existence to the police. Well, Margot, Weston has rounded up all the members of the cult, so I guess our work is done. Well, Lamont, what I don't understand is how a cult like that was formed. What was the purpose of it? Well, cults of leopard men had their origin in Africa. They're still active there. Their ritual is a form of pagan worship. This group that we encountered tonight were obvious fanatics who'd learned the secrets of the African ceremony and were practicing them here. Nice people, these fanatics. I wonder if you'd mind taking me home, Lamont. Why go home? Because I want to dig into my closet and burn my leopard skin coat. <laughs> Today's program is based on a story copyrighted by the Shadow Magazine. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Next week, same time, same station, the Blue Coal Dealers of America bring you a thrilling adventure of the shadow that will hold you in breathless suspense from start to finish. So be sure to listen. And be sure to phone your friendly Blue Coal Dealer for greater heating comfort at less cost. Keep the home fires burning with Blue Coal. And that's The Shadow from January 5th, 1941, with The Leopard Strike, starring Bill Johnstone. Also in that cast, Marjorie Anderson as the lovely Margot Lane. We heard Frank Reddick, Kenny Delmar, Everett Sloan, and Keenan Wynn. Keenan Wynn, the great movie actor and television star, he did a lot of radio in his early career, and he was in that broadcast. Dick Willard doing the announcing, sponsored by Blue Coal, America's finest anthracite, is heard on Mutual. Let's take a break, then it's more here of Hollywood 360. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, next time, it's the Screen Director's Playhouse, Life with Luigi, X-1, The Mysterious Traveler, Our Miss Brooks, and The Weird Circle. For my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.